you go to Luke 5, Luke 5, verses 34, 39, I want to talk about the new thing today. I want to talk about what God is doing. Luke 5, verse 34 through 39, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and, and anybody really who will listen to him. And Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a, tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts a new wine into old wine skins, for the new wine would burst the wine skins, spilling, out, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who, this is verse 39, this is my favorite part of it. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. It's powerful. I think Didi, you said that to me this week, didn't you? This is where this came from, an email from Didi. No one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. The old is just fine. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God. Just like worship transforms us, your word transforms. And Holy Spirit, we ask that through your power, we would become more like you, Jesus, as we are transformed by the word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so John, or Jesus is, is responding to John the Baptist's disciples, and, and they're asking Jesus, why don't your disciples fast like we fast? Why don't you guys do the things that we've been doing? And Jesus paints a, an illustration. He says, well, why would wedding guests mourn the groom? Why, why would we have mourning and fasting when the, when the groom is here? Why would we do that? That wouldn't make sense. That wouldn't be the proper context for what's happening. And what he begins to show them is that we so often like to do what we know how to do. We so often like to do what we know we're comfortable with. But we very rarely like to do the new thing that God is doing. We don't like to look forward and say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this time, in this day, in this context? We like to look backwards and say, God, what did you did be, do before? Because I want to do what I like to do and what I know works. And Jesus goes on to say, it's okay to honor the old thing, it's okay to appreciate what's been done, but part of living with a holy God is moving forward with him. I want you to understand something. God is working in your future. He's not working in your past. The Holy Spirit is working in your future. He's not working in your past. He might be bringing healing to your past. He might be using your past to remind you of what he's capable of, but your future with Jesus is in the future. Seemed redundant, didn't it? But it's the truth. But we don't like to look forward into what God's doing. We like to look backwards into what's happened. We like to look behind us and say, God, let's do it like that again because I know what happens when we do it like that. It gratifies me when I can be in control of the outcome. But Jesus says, I know you like that. I know it makes sense to your carnal mind. I know that it pleases your flesh, but I want you to understand that when we go backwards instead of going forward, we make a mess. He uses two images. He says it's like putting a new patch 
on an, on an old piece of clothing. Of course, we don't patch our clothing anymore, do we? No, that's, a, that's an old school thing. We, we just buy a new one because you can go to Walmart for $8 and get a pair of pants. It won't cost you anything. But it, what he's saying is it, it looks funny. It doesn't fit. It doesn't match. It doesn't actually complement what you're wearing. You need a new pair of pants. You need a new garment. You can't put new wine into an old wine wineskin. Of course, wine expands through alcohol, and an old wineskin is dry and already stretched to its capacity, so new wine would, ex- would expand it to the point of breaking. But when you try to put a new thing in an old container, the container breaks. The container bursts. It doesn't work. It can't carry it. You're left with disappointment and a mess. So often in church, we try to, to put what God is doing in the present and where he's leading us into the future into an, a container of the past. And look, I'm not talking about redefining the word. The word is the word. Sin is sin. Salvation is through Jesus alone. We can't change the, the spoken revelation of God's word. Amen? That's not changing, but how God's word pours out in a generation is different based on the context of that generation. So for instance, there was the circuit riders in the Second Great Awakening. Do you think it would make sense for people to ride around on horses going from church to church in 2023? That would look antiquated. It wouldn't make I mean, that's a silly example, but it wouldn't make sense, would it? It might look cool. It might be uh, uh, nostalgic. It might look spiritual, but it wouldn't be effective. The Jesus movement in the 60s, what did God do? He poured out on hippies. We don't have hippies anymore. We do. They're on Instagram, actually. I take it back. Everybody wants to be. It's not the same thing anymore. It's, it's actually culturally relevant to be a hippie. Then it wasn't. It was countercultural. And that's where God poured out his spirit. In the, in the charismatic renewal in Toronto, how, how did God pour out there? If you were there, all types of ways that made people uncomfortable. If you were looking for something that made sense in the past, you would have been offended in that outpouring. You would have been offended because your flesh would have been stuck looking backwards while God was doing something in your future. It's true. See, we can honor what God's done in the past. We can bless him and say, Jesus, thank you. But that thing he did in the past can't be a memorial for our spirituality, for our faith walk. It's actually an invitation to propel us into what he's doing today. Oftentimes we get stuck in something he did yesterday and we miss out on what he's inviting us to tomorrow. This is just the truth. And why, why do we do that? Why do we like the, the taste of old wine? Jesus said that they say, well, what's wrong with the, new, with the old wine? It tastes fine. It works. Have you ever heard that saying, if it's not, fi- or not broke, don't fix it? It doesn't work in the kingdom. Just because it works doesn't mean it's what God is doing. God will bless many things that honor his name, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's the thing he's doing. In fact, Jesus confronts that. He says, just because you like the way it tastes, just because it has this, maybe the same effects as new wine, it doesn't mean that's what I'm pouring out for you to drink. 
And there's actually a danger if you don't let go of control, because that's what it is. It's wanting to stay in control of the circumstances, wanting to know the outcome, wanting to make sure that you're one step ahead so that you can maintain. If you're not willing to let go of control, you miss what he's doing. like the taste of the old wine. What's wrong with this? You're in control. That's what's wrong. (laughs) That's the problem. The problem is not that you're drinking old wine. The problem is that you're in control. And see, with a relationship with Jesus, control is not available to you if you want him to be God. (laughs) If he's to be God in your relationship with him, which honestly, he gives you the choice. You can still be your own God. You're just not participating with him in his sovereign works. That's kind of scary, isn't it? It's like, God, you give me the ability to choose whether I can worship myself or worship you. And you still give me salvation even, even still, which is terrifying because I can miss what you're doing if I refuse to bow down to you as God and continue to worship myself. So he says, let go of the old wine. Let go of what's comfortable. Stop fearing change. Man, nothing bugs church people like change. The quickest, this is, you know, just my, my slow, gradual learning of how to be a pastor. The quickest way to irritate church people, you want to guess? Just change anything in the church. Just change anything. Change the carpet. Change the paint. Change the pews and the chairs. Change the chairs and the pews. Change anything at all in the church and you will find angry church people because we can't stand change. Why don't we like change? Because change reminds us that we're not actually in control of anything. If I can maintain sameness, if I can keep things the way they were when I remember, then I'm not afraid of what I can't control. See, change, it exposes insecurity in us. (laughs) Change exposes the insecurities in us that we were hiding, keeping people. Look, I'm a pastor, so I get it. I I have the temptation to fake more than any person in this room. Part of my job is to get in front of people and talk to them. It's really hard to talk to people publicly if you don't believe the people you're talking to respect what you have to say. (laughs) It becomes really easy to want to hide all the insecurities, hide all the vulnerability, hide the things that would make me look less than and present to you something that looks good to me. The problem in that is that I don't give a space for God to work through my weakness and and give a space for him to exalt his strength. See, walking with Jesus isn't you just looking good while you say you follow him with your mouth. It's letting him expose your weakness, expose your insecurity, whether it's in front of people or alone, so that you can be healed of yourself So that you can be healed of yourself and become more like him in process. It's called sanctification. You're actually being healed of yourself. Did you know that? You're being healed of your broken sin nature. As you grow closer to Jesus, you're like that piece of pork on a spit. You're you're being, the fat is being rendered, folks. (laughs) The fat is being rendered as you're going in a circle. You're not going in a circle. You're going with him. And you're becoming sweeter, more 
more appetizing in nature as you learn his nature over your dead nature. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. It's a rabbit trail. But that's why we hate change. Because change exposes the insecurities in us that we weren't ready to have crucified or rendered. <laughs> change exposes the, the fact we're not in control. God's not doing what we want him to do when we want it. He's not replicating activity that we approve of. Oh, my gosh. He's not, a, he's not a factory pumping out things that you approve of. He's a holy and mighty God. He's not a made-in-Mexico material that you can just reproduce in order to get what you need out of him. He's over here, and if you want to stay over there, you're more than welcome to, but he's not doing what you want him to do. He's doing what he's doing. That's another truth about following Jesus. He's a holy and living God. He's not reduced to your thinking or to your acceptability or to your taste buds of the old wine. <laughs> if you don't want to consume him today, he doesn't force you, but he's not going to do what you want him to do. And so as we come into his presence, as we come into relationship with him, we should expect him to bless us. I'm more expected of blessing now in my life than I ever have been in my, in my entire walk with Jesus. When I walk with him now, I'm expecting his blessing. I believe his favor is around me, behind me, before me. But I also recognize when I get into the presence of God, when I come before him, he's crucifying things in me. He's burning things out of me. And it's not because he's angry or he's mad at me. It's because as he burns things out of me, I create more space within the container for the new wine. For more blessing. The blessing you had five years ago is good. Amen. Hallelujah. But there is more blessing if you would just get in the secret place with him, let him burn out and render the fat so that there'd be more space for more blessing. See, you cannot go into where God has called you to go. You can live a good Christian life, but you cannot fulfill what God is calling you to fulfill unless you're letting him burn out the insecurities in you. My favorite story of this is in Numbers 20. I'm going to read this one to you. Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. And we'll have it up there, but I love hearing the, the flipping of the Bible pages. Numbers 20, 1 through 13. This is Moses, he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt. He's, uh, you know, he's doing his best. He's a new leader. He's, he's never done this before. How many of you have done before what you're doing now? That's good. That means we're following the Lord. Amen. <laughs> first month of, of, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and stayed at Kadesh, where Miriam died and was buried. That now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, 
If only we had died when our brothers fell before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. <laughs> See, when, when, you're, when you're bitter in your heart, you find every reason to complain, don't you? <laughs> and there's no water to drink. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take your staff and your brother Aaron and gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with the staff. Water gushed out, and the community and the livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in sight of, as holy in sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I have given them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and where he was proven holy among them. So it's a very interesting story. Because the blessing comes forth, the rock gives water, but also Moses gets reprimanded by the Lord and doesn't get to enter into the promised land because of his disobedience. And you could imagine, this is a pretty terrible situation. We're talking about millions of people following two guys, Moses and Aaron, in a desert where they have no resources after they just ran from their lives from the, the Egyptian nation. And they get to this place where they're starving and they're dehydrated. And what do they want to do? They want to go back to slavery. You know, they want to go back to the place where they were whipped and beaten, where their kids were taken and thrown into the river. And they're like, you know, it's kind of like going to the, mas mas uh, the massage therapist. Not too bad. Free daycare. Think of it like that. We want to go back to that because we don't trust God right here. We don't trust God with our future. We don't trust God with our circumstances. We don't trust God with our provision. We want to go back to what we know and settle for what we had because we don't believe God for this moment today. And Moses and Aaron, of course, they're, they're freaked out by that. They go into the, the meeting tent or the tabernacle tent. They lay down before the, 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 the Lord. The glory of the Lord falls. And it's in his presence that he says to them, Moses, I want you to go and speak to that rock. Moses says, okay, I got this. Gets up, grabs his staff, goes to the rock, and he hits it once, and nothing happens. Then he hits it again. The water gushes forth. Incredible, right? And it says they all are refreshed. They all drink. God blesses them all. But Moses and Aaron are reprimanded by the Lord. Why was Moses reprimanded? Because he didn't do what he was told to do, right? He didn't do what God had commanded him to do in order to move forward with what he was called to move forward with. And so the Lord says, Moses, you're not willing to, move, to overcome that insecurity in your life. Therefore, you won't move forward in my plans for you. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think God told Moses to speak? 
Let's think about this for a second. How did God encounter Moses in Exodus 3 and 4? The burning bush, right? Comes up, he, he's manifesting in a burning bush. Moses is freaked out. God gives Moses this great mantle of authority. He says, you're going to speak before Pharaoh and all of Egypt and all of Israel as you lead my people out of slavery. And what does Moses say back to God in defiance? I can't speak. I stutter. I, I, I'm not good with my words. I don't like it when people hear me talk. And God in his grace, knowing that Moses couldn't move forward because he was so insecure about himself, gave him two things. What did he give him? Give him a staff that he could perform miracles with. And then he gave him Aaron so that Aaron could speak on his behalf. And then we see in Exodus 17, they're in the wilderness. And they're in this place before they get to the desert of Zin where they don't have any food and water. And Moses lays before God and God tells them what? Go and hit that rock with my staff and water will gush forth. So Moses goes up, he hits the rock with his staff and water comes out. He goes, wow, what a miracle. Fast forward. They're in the same situation again. God knows that this is a testing moment, not only for Moses, but for the entire community of Israel. And he says, Moses, I know in Exodus 17, we hit the rock with the staff, but this time we're going to overcome that insecurity because you can't carry your fear of public speaking into the promised land. I need you to lose it today. Go speak to the rock. Moses goes, okay. He gets his staff. He goes out to the rock. He takes a whack at it. Ha! Nothing happens. This is what I think happened. I think he hit it on the second time, and he goes, oh, my God, thank you so much. Water comes gushing forward because, truthfully, the call is not about Moses. It's about his, God's people. And so he refreshes, him, he refreshes them even though Moses is being disobedient. But I bet you $100 today that if that rock didn't split open with water on the second strike, Moses would still be hitting it, waiting for water to come out. See, Moses wasn't ready to get over his insecurity. He wasn't ready to confront the things in him that were keeping him away from the new wine. Instead, he saw what worked in the past and said, you know what? What's wrong with the taste of the old wine? I'll just drink this. I'll just drink what I can control. I'll just drink what I know. I'll just stay stuck in what's happened before with God. I'm not coming into the new one because that's scary. That kind of change causes insecurity in me to come out. And so he misses the promised land. He misses the blessing. He misses the new one because what's wrong with the old one? It tastes just fine. Makes a lot of sense. Why not just do this? If, if it works, don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. God goes, no, no, no. I'm doing a new thing in you. I'm killing something in you that's keeping you from more of me. And I'm showing the, the entire assembly of Israel that you can overcome your fear of public speaking. <laughs> so Moses misses it. See, we can miss it. You can live a blessed life. God will bless other people through you. God will make the water, the living water gush from you. But you can still miss the call of God on your life if you're unwilling to let go of the old wine. 
if you're unwilling to let him crucify that insecurity in you. All right, one more story. You guys okay? One more, one more. Second Kings, chapter 4. We're not going to read it. It's a great story about the widow. Okay, so this widow, her husband dies. He was one of the prophets that served Elisha. Right, so he, he, he's a part of the school of prophets. He's a direct servant of Elijah, the, the, the prophetic descendant of Elijah. But that doesn't really matter. He dies. She comes up to Elisha and says, Elisha, you know my husband. He served you. He was one of the best you got. But now we're in this situation. My two sons are too young to work. I've been completely indebted to creditors. And unless you do something, unless God does something, I'm going to lose my two sons. And just like Moses in the tabernacle, the Lord begins to examine this widow. And Elisha says to the widow, what do you have left? And she says, well, I've got one jar or one flask of olive oil, but that's all I got. That's the only thing left. And if you go into the Hebrew, that jar means flask. It's not like a jar of olive oil you would use to cook a steak with or to to cook up your, your favorite egg dish, it's a flask like something you'd put into your coat pocket. So what I think this flask represents is the last thing that belonged to her husband before he died. It's a, it's a flask of olive oil that a prophet or a priest would have anointed people with as he did his ministry. And she has nothing left in her home that, that could possibly pay for anything to keep her sons out of a debtor's jail but this one flask. And Elisha says, We're going to pour that out. We're going to pop that thing open. We're going to pour it out. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to your neighbors. I want you to go to all these people who are supposed to be helping you. Because the law of Moses says that if a woman is widowed in the community, that they're supposed to take care of her and all of her needs. But you know what we do when when we're afraid and we feel like we've lost everything? We isolate ourselves. So he says, you know what? You've isolated yourself. You've cut yourself off from the very people who are supposed to bless you. You've kept this one thing as a relic from your past. And I'm going to pour this thing out, but I'm going to do it by making you go back to the people you're called to live in community with. He says, go get jars from them. Go get jars and stack them up in the house because we're going to pour this thing out. And she has her two sons go out and start getting jars. And they bring it all back to the house. And it says they begin to pour out the pain of her past. They begin to pour out the oil from the flask. I can't imagine how hard that would have been for that widow. But as they pour out, it says that the jars and the containers keep being filled. And the only reason the oil stops coming out of the flask is because they run out of containers. The only reason God will stop blessing you is because you stop receiving the blessing. (laughs) The the only reason God would stop blessing you is because you ran out of capacity or container to carry the blessing. And it says there's enough blessing that comes out of that flask that they pay the debt and the two sons are free. But I think it's really interesting that the, the woman had two sons because two in the scripture has Two has a couple of meanings. 
Two is a representation of perfect union, right? A man and a woman come in marriage covenant, and they become one that's a perfect union. But what happens when a man and a woman in marriage covenant become intimate? They make a child. Two also represents in scripture new beginnings. New beginnings. And the picture we see here is that the widow almost lost her new beginning because she was looking to the past. She was looking for validation from the past. And because she couldn't get her eyes forward, she almost lost the thing that represented her new beginning. Listen, this is what I want to say to you. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed by what's behind us, we lose capacity to perceive what God is doing in front of us. Sometimes we get so weighed down by what we know happened back there, we totally lose sight of what could possibly happen up there. And the Lord says, I want to deal with it. I want to pour it out, not so that you wouldn't, have the memory of what I've done, not so that you wouldn't understand my goodness, so that I can bring you into a new beginning. See, the new wine's in the future, it's not in the past. The new blessing is tomorrow, it's not yesterday. This is why I want to I pray for you. Would you just stand up? I want to pray as we close this morning. Perfectly cooked tacos. We did it. Al Pastor. That's what they're called. You get some, some music. God has more blessing for you than you know how to carry. He's got so much in your future, you can't even comprehend how to prepare for it. But I want you to know you got to prepare for the blessing. You got to prepare for the blessing. You got to prepare for what's ahead of you. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now that if there's anything behind us that is ensnaring us, that's keeping us trapped, if there's any pain that's keeping us from moving forward, if there's any old blessing that's keeping us satisfied and comfortable, if there's anything that is hindering us from moving forward and to the great blessing you've prepared for us, would you show us right now so that we can deal with it by the power of your Holy Spirit? Lord, we want the new wine. We want the new wine, Lord. We want the new line. Holy Spirit, would you show us anywhere where we've become comfortable with the old wine? We repent of that, Jesus. We repent of staying stuck in yesterday. And we empty our container right now of our insecurities so that we can be filled with the new wine. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Fill us with your new wine. Fill us with your new wine. Thank you, Lord. 
We pray these things in your name. If you want prayer for anything specifically, feel free to come up. We have people to pray for you. But let's just enjoy the Lord for a song or two.